0: We don't know if they're true or not. KWFN FM and KWFN HD1, San Diego, a Radio.coms Point Station. Hi, this is your friendly neighborhood sportscaster, Ben Higgins. Listen to Ben and Woods from 5 to 9 a.m. on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. This program is sponsored and produced by Wilsy Asset Management. Opinions and offers expressed during this program are not those of Intercom Communications or 97.3 The Fan. Here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I am Brent Wilsey, and thank you for joining us this morning. I've been doing the Smart Investing Show here in San Diego on local radio for 27 years. Now, if you have investment questions or want a fundamental analysis on a stock you own or are looking at buying, selling, or holding, please call in at 833-288-0973. Again, write this number down for the show for the next hour, 833 288 and that will give you that unbiased, no-strings-attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. Well, good morning, Chase. How you doing? Good morning. Good. Good to be here. Crazy week of the market the last week. Uh, not one of the things we're going to talk about, but just told me that Tesla surpassed fifteen hundred, and the market cap is what two hundred and seventy billion dollars. Just it just shows how crazy things are. We're going to talk more about this, but I, I just couldn't believe it when you told me that.
1: I I can't believe it either. I mean, you talk about Toyota, which is huge, is at two hundred billion. So I mean, we used to talk about how Tesla is bigger than Fiat. You know GM and Ford combined now. I think it's bigger than Toyota, GM, Ford, and Fiat combined. Right. <laughs> you know? it's,
0: it's getting absolutely insane. But and, and one thing we did talk about because I was thinking, I wonder how many people are shareholders that hold that because I don't think it's that dispersed as people that hold Toyota or Ford or GM. So therefore, you have this cult, and it's been called a cult stock. That just bid that stock up, 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 and who knows where it will end. But I, I know I'm not gonna get in that crazy trade.
1: Oh, I mean, it, it makes absolutely no sense. It, it's, it's crazy.
0: Yep. Well, well, let's talk about another crazy thing here. And Shopify. Wow, what a great stock that is. And people are like, oh gosh, you know, I missed it. You know, should have been investing in Shopify. Well, and you might even feel, well, it's better to be late to the party than never attended at all. Not a good thinking. Uh, let me give you some cautionary notes before you jump in. Now a real price to earnings ratio that we pay is 10 to 12 times earnings, trying to get some value. But currently, Shopify trades at, I hope you're sitting down, 2,000 times estimated current year profits of 50 cents. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's just another one that, you know, I mean, its it's gone bonkers. I mean, these people, they, they just buy it because it's like, oh, it's an at-home trend, it's an at-home trend. and. Just goes higher and higher because of that, and at some point, the music's is going to stop. And I mean, that the crazy thing is, I mean, their earnings growth and their sales growth uh, is actually decel- decelerating. I mean, they're not increase; they're still increasing their earnings, mm-hmm. but it's a, a slower growth rate, which is concerning because all of a sudden, if they get down to 10, 15 percent. You should not be trading at 2,000 times earnings if you're only growing your earnings at 10%, let's say. I mean, the, the numbers are right now, they are expected to grow about 38%, which is again, quite nice. But last year they were at 49%, 2018, 56%, and 71% 2017. So their growth was very, very, very strong. Now it's slowing down, again, to trade at 2,000 times Earnings, you should be (laughs) growing at probably sixty percent. I mean, that that is absolutely insane.
0: And and one thing I've realized uh, I've been investing now for forty years is that people don't realize uh, numbers. And and to give an example, it is very easy to go from in a car from zero to sixty, but to go from a hundred to two hundred, you're really starting to push against the the wind resistance and so forth. It's really very hard to do that. Well, it's the same thing with numbers in general. To, to go from uh, $0.10 a share to $0. $0.20 a share, oh, well, well that's pretty easy to do. And you've doubled the earnings. Like, how great that is. But to maybe go from $2 a share to $4 a share, that's a lot harder to do.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, it's you can't just continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger because you run into competition and, you know, different regulations and things along th- those natures. So, I mean, it, it is harder to, again grow those earnings. And and that's why I think, you know, they'll grow 38% perhaps this year, and then maybe next year it slows down to 29%. And then Mm -hmm. there is going to be that that point where people say, well, now all of a sudden it's not growing very fast. And they'll go from 2,000 times earnings and drop to, you know, 50 times earnings. And it might be a higher earnings base, but that multiple is going to contract, which
0: will bring the stock price down. And and the other thing too, it's so important because I've also said this for many years, you can read the numbers. But you have to understand the numbers. And one thing, uh, and actually, I'm in the business of buying a house. I think I'm driving my realtor crazy because I analyze all the numbers. Well, what about this? What about that? And so forth. You've got to actually, and I think they call it critical thinking, is what it's called, to really look at those numbers and ask questions about that. Well, well wait a minute. How, how can that growth rate continue? And, and, and again, when that we talked about the earnings growing. That's not going to keep happening. You've got to ask questions, an analyst and an investor. Not just go along with the flow like, oh yeah, it's up 30 percent on the growth. you can't do that.
1: And the thing too is I mean people don't realize is you you feel good about it right now because it's going up- mm-hmm. but at some point it's going to go down and the thing is, is it going to go down from here? Maybe, maybe not. But the issue is, let's say you bought it at 700. Wow, you've done very, very well on it. It could very easily go from a thousand back down to 400. That is a huge decline, and all of a sudden now, you held, you bought it at seven hundred, you wrote it up to a thousand, and then all the way back down <laughs> to four hundred. You actually lost money on this stock. Nobody cares that you held it at a thousand if you didn't sell it. And the the issue is, I mean, people think that that can't happen. I mean, we were talking yesterday about Qualcomm. And I, I'm doing a, uh, a presentation for the uh, YGEN Builders Association in a couple weeks here. And I, I wanted to take a look at this because I, I thought it was so interesting. I mean, Qualcomm went from, I think it was about $4 a share in you know, 1998, went all the way up to about, I want to say about $80, $90 a share at its peak a- in the tech a- boom.
0: And these are split adjusted, right?
1: Yes, yeah, split yeah. adjusted. And then what happened? It went from 90 down to $17 a share over a three-year time frame. People thought, oh, it's going to come back, and there were a couple bumps along the way. Yep. Oh, you see, I told you it's coming back. Nope, then it went back to down to 17. It took until, I believe, this year or last year to get back to where it was in the tech boom. <laughs> <laughs> and how so, many years was uh, that? Uh, 17, 20. Tw- 20 years, that's right. Yeah, 20 years. 2020. Yeah, yeah
0: so... And, and that's the thing people don't understand what can happen, and, and right now, like back in the tech boom and bust, I during the boom, I was the dumbest guy on the street because I wouldn't pay these crazy things for, I'll never forget the names, JDS Uniphase, Cisco. I mean, even the Intel and, and, and some other ones were just like extremely high, and some of those hadn't even got back to their highs back then. I think Cisco was a high of, a, uh, gosh, I think 60 or 70, it's not back to that yet. But, uh, y- 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 you know, I'm okay with being the dumbest guy on the street short term, but, you know, the thing that people don't get, you're not investing for six months, 12 months, or, or even two years. Investing is a lifetime thing, because even when you retire, you're still investing. So, I'm looking at investing for people, you know, for two, three, four, five, 10, 15, 20 years. Now, somebody says, well, I'm, I'm 70 years old. I can't even buy, uh, what do they say, green bananas. Well, we have many, many clients in their 80s and their 90s. You just don't know. And there's other benefits, which I won't go into now because we kind of got way, way off what we're going to talk about. Uh, but there's other tax benefits, uh, state benefits of actually investing in equities uh, that you should know. So it, it, it's just so many. That's why I love doing this. And I, I told people my retirement uh, date is going to be 2042. Well, gosh, wow! Well, how'd you get that? Well, I'll be 85 at that time frame. So I think I can go to, I'm age 85. <laughs> so I, I just love doing this. I've been doing it for 40 years and I hope to do it for at least another 25 years because it's, and it's never easy. I mean, this is a tough time for us because you know, you got Tesla. Well, why didn't you buy Tesla at 100? Well, it, it just <laughs> <makes> <laughs> it make fundamental sense. Make sense. <laughs> but I went through the same thing in the tech boom where it's like, why didn't you buy, you know, JSU Phase? I said, there's, it's a house of cards. And we're back there again, a house of cards with these high flyers.
1: Well, you talked about Cisco, I did look at the chart uh, yeah, in the tech boom, it hit about eh, about 80,
0: 82 dollars a share. Now it's around forty-six. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so if you're a long-term <laughs> holder, you're still not <laughs> you're still down fifty percent, not including dividends. I think they do yeah. pay a dividend, but it, but it's just so important to look at the numbers, understand. This is the big thing that people don't get. Well, oh, you should you should be buying Apple. You should be doing this and so forth. That's the emotions talking. And speaking of emotions, that also comes up a lot. Uh, when you talk about that, uh... you know Tesla going, uh, and we don't know if it's going to happen, goes from maybe fifteen hundred down to a thousand, and people say, "Well, oh, I'll get out before that." Uh, uh, they won't. They said the same thing. Tech boom, and then what happens? Uh, well, when it goes back up, I'll sell, it. and then it goes down more. Well, I, and the emotions take over, and all the well, anytime they did no analysis, anyways, but all the reason and all the logic goes out the window because the emotions have taken over, and you don't have a clue what to do, and. We've told the story before about one person I talked to that had to get psychological help during the tech boom, because she had I forget how many millions of dollars of Qualcomm at the high. Mm, eight was it eight million, nine million? It was something ridiculous, and she lost it, and it just it just drove her to, uh, to, to I, I don't say insanity, but uh, to where she needed. Uh, mental I mean, health. That's yeah.
1: depressing to go from eight million dollars down to less
0: than a million. I think is where it would have I, fallen I, to. I forget the number, but it was a, a big loss. And and what's kind of funny, you never had that in the first spot. But again, had you sold it, you'd been better off. We, we got to move along here. I mean, so many great things to talk about uh, uh, on the show today. And I do want to talk about um, uh, reasons to invest in banks. Now, people are worried about investing in banks because of their customers not paying the mortgages. And this again is something that they're kind of looking at. Now, I will tell you. This is the best time for a long-term investor to be looking at investing in the banks, but it has to be the right banks that deal in mortgages. And we're going to give you three reasons why. First off, let's talk about 2008. 2008, uh, people were comparing uh, this time to that because people stopped paying on the mortgages, but homeowners then were underwater and the value of their home was below what they owed. Today, we have the opposite situation home inventory is very low, prices are rising, and people will not let that equity they have go in their home. They will do whatever they can to pay that mortgage. Now, if they can't pay their mortgage, and they, they lose the house, guess what happens? The bank gets a asset worth more than the loan they have, they could very easily sell that home, perhaps they make a profit on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the other things we're looking at here too is uh, it's just so different. And, I mean, right now we're going through a tough time for the banks, you know, it, it is not, you know, a, a, an exciting time. They're not having record breaking profits or anything, but this is kind of a great time. I just had to look at it. I mean, we always look at when the banks actually do write down like the value of mortgages or other loans uh, for non-payment. They typically go over the top essentially. They're, they're quite conservative because they would hate to, you know, actually have to account for something and then, oh, wow, that was way more than we thought. So normally they'll go above and beyond what is actually gonna happen. That's what we call a loan loss provision and then, that is a negative against earnings, but then what happens on the back side of that is when it comes to fruition that, oh, things actually weren't as bad as people thought, that's a big benefit for them down the line because those weren't actual negative earnings for the business.
0: Yeah, it comes back as a profit is what it comes back at. I'm like, oh my gosh, look how great they did. How, how, who would have known that? Well, if you understand accounting, you can get that. And, and the other thing people don't realize that net right now, I hear people say it uh, actually on our social media. By the way, if you want to follow us on social media, it's uh, uh, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. We do post uh, a couple a day and so forth. It is free, give you a lot of great information, a lot of great tips to talk about for your investing. But uh, I had a guy say, Oh, you know, you, the banks are going to go, you know, they're going to need help from the, the government. Uh, that's not the case. Uh, banks are flush with cash and have no risk of having financial problems. Like again, back in 2008, the banks were the problem. Back in 2008, now they're the solution is what they actually are. Uh, with the new COVID-19 requirements uh, that came out from the Fed, banks are forced to even get more conservative and not use money for stock buybacks. Now they can still pay the dividends. They have a certain rule on dividends. One or two banks might have to cut that dividend, but we'll see how that works out. Uh, this will continue to strengthen the bank's balance sheets. And just imagine, how the cash will grow in a couple of years, not a couple of months, but a couple of years, they will have excess cash to again buy back shares and maybe, maybe increase dividends as well. And then don't forget about the first item we talked about, the extra earnings they're gonna have uh, from the write-offs that will come back. And once people start paying those mortgages, they can take it off of the loan loss provision and it comes back as, as earnings for them. So as a long-term investor, you don't want to miss the opportunity of investing long-term into banks this is a great time
1: well and the thing too I mean you talk about the it's so funny when people say, "Oh, the banks are they're in trouble and uh, I, I'm gonna call it recency biases it's kind of 12 years ago now but mm-hmm. you know it's still pretty recent when you think about it they always think what the last problem was is gonna be the next problem right it, right. it almost never is you, right. you know it, the banks we're under so much scrutiny they just went through the fed stress test mm-hmm. and it came back that you know they all passed <laughs> they're in a fine <laughs> spot you know that a couple of them do have to cut dividends well actually not a couple but wells farco is likely going to have to cut his dividend is that thrilling not really but it doesn't mean they're in a bad spot they just have to preserve a little bit more cash they still have plenty of what we call common tier equity which is a a good type of liquidity for that bank it's how they're testing how strong these banks are and that's why they did come in with the fed stress test is they saw how much stress it put on our economy back in 2008 2009 they said this is not going to happen again so sometimes the, the regulation of that on the banks is making them a safer investment because now they're gonna not fail, and we know they won't fail. Right. So we feel quite good about this industry going
0: through this period, because they were already planning for the next downturn <laughs> right. for the last many years. Yeah, and, and again, the banks are the solution, not the problem this time, and they're, they're gonna be fine. Uh, but you have to understand accounting. And this is why I think it's so funny. People, and you see these commercials uh, from TD Meritrade, and I, I hate the guy that does it. He, he acts like such a pompous jerk on the commercial, like, oh, that's why that you're so smart. I, I, I don't like the commercial. But anyways, the point being that, oh, just look at these charts and you could be a sm- uh, you know uh, a great investor. Right now it's working because of how crazy things are. But it you, people have to realize, you're buying small pieces of companies here. Things are gonna happen. And it's not going to keep working forever. There. You have to understand the fundamentals. You have to understand accounting. You have to understand the business. And people try and do it on their own. And I'm not saying that nobody can do it. But you have to have an analytical mind and really do the research to understand what is going on. Uh,
1: let's go. I, I don't want to jump back too long on this topic. But uh, let's go back to Shopify. Let's say you were a business owner. And somebody came into your office and said, I will give you 2,000 times your company's earnings you would sell your business most likely. If you said, oh, I will give you a thousand times your earnings, most people would sell their business. (laughs) That means Shopify could be cut in half. You know, you have to think logically about what these valuations actually mean. And I said the stock price charts, it just drives me crazy when people say, oh no, I, I understand the stock. Oh, did you look at the balance sheet? No, I I watch the stock price every day. The stock price means absolutely nothing at all. That just means how much are people trading that at on a daily basis? The stock price could fall from, let's say, 50 down to 40. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, I don't know.
0: You know nothing about the movement of the the stock price. Tells you nothing about the company. Yeah, you, you've got to understand. Watching, saying you watch it every day, just the stock price, you're not watching anything. It's kind of like I, know, I always use this analogy: uh, uh, you're driving your car, you're you're looking straight at the speedometer, doing 60 miles an hour. I'm doing fine. Have no idea what's around you. No idea what's in front of you, and you're gonna crash. Yeah,
1: I mean, a great example is I've been watching a lot of Master
0: Chef lately with uh, Gordon oh, Ramsay. You, you getting to cooking now? Yeah, I, I, I like it. <laughs>
1: the thing is, I am not a, a chef. Like Gordon Ramsay, just because I watch Gordon Ramsay every oh, day, you know, good I, just <laughs> just by cooking doesn't mean watching it is like, oh, I'm not actually doing it and actually understanding it. I, I'm just watching it for pleasure. You know, watching the stock price is the same thing. It's
0: more of a, a visual thing that, again, does not tell you anything about the business. Right. And, and before we go to calls, I, I do want to uh, uh, talk about one more thing. And by the way, the phone numbers you want to call in are eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. That's eight three three. Two eight eight zero nine seven three. That I get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, an opinion about what you want to talk about. But before we go to the calls, uh, let's talk about uh, surprise, surprise. There are jobs out there. What's going on here? As the economy was reopening in May, we did see some positive signs from JOLTS, and JOLTS stands for Job Opening Labor Turnover Survey. Very important number. We love seeing that every month. It gives you a lot of information. Key numbers were a rise in hiring, such a surge from. million in April to 6.5 million in May, and a decline in separation of nearly 60% as they fell from nearly 10 million in April to 4.14 million in May. This report was just a phenomenal report showing that hey, there are jobs out there. We do have a, a growing economy. Yeah, I mean,
1: also you look at uh, the openings, too. People were looking for work. Uh, and, I mean, when I say people were looking for work, employers were working for, looking for people to come fulfill that work as the opening stood at nearly 5.4 million. That was an increase from April when there was 5 million openings. And I think June re- June's report, again, is going to be quite strong. So I, I, I like the
0: Jolt report, and, again, things are looking quite nice here. And, and we look at that every month because it gives a good indication, and, and, and people, again, act emotionally like, oh, you, you, this is not good, that's not good. Look at the numbers. And actually, Chase, uh, I don't know if you know, but on Thursday, retail sales come out. And, and, and we want to look at that to see what's going on because we did have stores open. They did not close stores. They they, they did, Although restaurants are part of retail sales, so I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So, so so that could hurt it maybe a little bit. We'll, we'll see what that is. And a big week this week because we have banks reporting this week. Uh, I think it starts off on Monday with PepsiCo is reporting. But there are some great companies reporting this week. Very interesting to see. What they're saying. I'm not looking for guidance from them. I don't think we'll get any guidance, but we can see how they're handling the current situation. That's their thing too, as an investor. I mean, we read all the numbers, the financial statements they come out, the conference call, the press release, everything to understand what they're talking about uh, for for what happened in the quarter. And they might, you know, they might give a little bit of what they see going forward, but I, I would not expect a whole lot. So yeah,
1: and I'm I'm also interested too. And uh, you know, Wells Fargo does report this week uh so we'll we'll see what they do with that dividend and i i I think the dividend yield is still going to be very very strong it's not going to be what it is currently i i don't think and you know but it's still going to be i think probably five (laughs) percent at least
0: even forest finale you have four (laughs) percent dividend compared to a 10-year treasury at what point six percent i mean you should be dancing around the the Living room, getting a 4% yield on your dividend.
1: Yeah, and I, I do see we have Paul and, and John uh, on the phone lines there, but uh, I know we said one more thing. I did just, I, I know we said one more, but I just right. have to bring it up. You know, we, we talked about the market closed last week for Alphabet, Apple, Microsoft, and Amazon. Just crazy when you actually put these numbers in per- perspective, the market closed for those companies, again, created a combined value of about $5.6 trillion. Yeah,
0: and, and, it, and it just shows you the craziness of, of how much that is uh when you look at that so uh and and that that's approximately equal to what the next 19 largest u.s companies which includes i was I, I, surprised facebook visa johnson and johnson jp Morgan chase home depot i mean that is bigger than and again i thought facebook would actually be up there but it's not that's, that's let's just repeat that one more time so people understand how crazy it is
1: about the 5.6 trillion dollars for mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> those five, companies
0: for those companies versus which is approximately equal to the next Nineteen largest U.S. companies.
1: Yeah, absolutely, crazy. absolutely insane. And you know, you always say uh, things are getting a little crazy when your shoe shine guy is telling you about you know the hot stocks that everybody already knows about. So right. uh, I think many of our listeners know I coach football at Poway High School. Are the kids telling you what to buy? Uh, they're they're telling me about <laughs> uh, Coach Coach. I bought Apple and Facebook and oh Netflix, gosh. and it's it's all those companies. And I'm I'm like great. I'm glad you guys are getting involved in it, but. It scares me that high school kids are now, it's kind of what we talk about with these stimulus checks and the right. unemployment. Again, those high school kids did get unemployment if they had jobs, the $600 a week. So they're putting that to work. But it scares me that they're the ones buying <laughs> the apples, the Netflix. Right. It, it, it's just a crazy world right now in terms of these investments. And, and things will
0: come back to, to reality at some point. And, and the problem with that is that they're, they're going to do great and so forth. Then it's going to go away. They're going to lose money. Oh, stock market's risky and they won't come back. So they need to learn what they're doing. Make sure you tell them like, okay guys, tune in the show on Saturday mornings uh, on radio and three different stations now. So make sure they tune into that. So uh, before I go to the calls again, uh, John, Paul, please be patient. I, I want to talk about the webinar because we do this every month, almost every month for people. It's gonna be Thursday, July 6th. And we talk about the economy. You, you've heard us talk about how crazy things are. This is where you can learn how to invest using Fundamental Now. So it, it is free, it uh, doesn't cost anything. But now you're going to learn how to do it. We also talk about other things as well. What to avoid. How not to get stuck into things. And we talk about this one thing that's just great. People loved it when we did it live. But the 19 thoughts to trading. When you see that, like, oh, my gosh, I've done that. I've done that. I better not do that. So that's why we're teaching that. And it will help you build your wealth and get you to retirement long term. It is free. It's going to be Thursday, July 16th all day. But you must register at our website, Smart Investing. 2000.com smart investing 2000.com takes about an hour. Uh, you'll learn a lot. Uh, you, you know, it's funny. People say, wow, I, I've learned more. This than I did in my entire career of, of doing things else. We give you so much information in that webinar. Yeah, so, yeah. So free. Uh, go to our website, smart investing 2000.com and it will come out Thursday, July 16th. All right. As promised, uh, let's go back to the calls or let's go to the calls. A uh, phone number is here. 833. Two eight eight zero nine seven three. Again, that's eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. Let's go out to Coronado and speak with John. John, you're in the Smart special Brent Chase. How can we help you?
1: Hi guys. Tell you what, you know, I'm I'm looking at uh, Emerson Electric, kind of a boring stock, pays a good dividend, stable company. Um, the stock price has come down. It was up in the up in the seventies. Went down into the 40s, now up into the high 50s. Um, wondering what you guys think about it.
0: Right. And, and, John, sometimes boring can be good for long-term investing. So I, uh, boring can mm-hmm. be good. <laughs> so Let's take a look at Emerson. I own, qu- I, I own quite a few boring stocks. <laughs> well, and, again, you can sleep at night pretty good, can't you? Uh, mm-hmm, sure can. So let's look at it now. Emerson Electric, symbol EMR uh not a bad start the pe ratio 16.3 it is above the industry but the industry is at 3.5 so something crazy there 16 for a 12, 12 months is not too bad uh price of sales uh 1.9 versus 0.3 price to tangible book value unfortunately not material versus 28 for the industry so i don't like seeing that That means if you take away the goodwill and maybe intangibles there is no value to the company so that does worry me a little bit and then price of cash will 11.4 versus three Now, you're correct. They do pay a 3.4% dividend. Very important. Only use 54% of their earnings to pay that out. Now, year over year, sales were down 0.5%. The industry was down 5.9%, but the earnings per share for Emerson grew by 11.6% when the earnings uh, for the uh, industry was down 9.9%. So again, you do want to understand how they grew their earnings when sales are down, but nice to see that they're doing that. The balance sheet looks okay. you got a current ratio of 1 versus 1.7 for the industry, so not quite as liquid as the industry. Debt to equity, 102. That's the same as the industry, and while it's above 100, we're okay with that if they have a good cash flow. Return to equity, 28 versus 21. That's positive. Net profit margin, 12.7 versus 9.6. That is good. And then inventory turnover is 5 below the industry at 7.9, but receivable turnover, very good for Emerson, 5.7 versus 3.5. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Yeah,
1: before I get into that, I did want to kind of go back to the balance sheet. It it looked kind of interesting because if you look at the the long-term debt to equity versus the total debt to equity, I think it was 50 versus about 100%. Um, So they have a lot of short-term debt. I think this company probably had a great balance sheet before COVID because my guess is that they tapped their credit line so I think they just kind of tap that to provide a little bit of liquidity at the current time, but once they do repay that credit line, I think that the balance sheet could be quite nice.
0: You know, uh, Chase, that's a great point because you gotta look at what businesses are doing. Some businesses are saying, we're not sure what's gonna happen, so we are gonna tap our credit line. Might make our debt look worse, but again, this you will see when you read the conference calls and understand the business. So great great point to bring out.
1: Yeah, and then uh, let's take a look at the other numbers for Emerson Electric. Uh, current price here, $59.77. Uh, as you said, John, 52-week high, $78.38. And then that 52-week low, $37.75. If I look out to September 2021, I see estimated earnings per share and gap basis, $3.06. Unfortunately, that gives a target sell price of $49.57. So I,
0: I liked it until the uh, the forward earnings there, unfortunately. Yeah, yep. So So uh, boring stock, but uh, maybe a little bit too boring because they can't grow the earnings enough to make it worthwhile to invest this time. All right, John? <laughs> Got it, guys. All right. Thanks for calling, John. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's it up to Escondido and speak with Paul. Paul, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you?
1: Uh, good morning. Yeah, calls, uh, uh, K-S-S.
0: Okay, do you hold that, or looking to buy it?
1: Well, I don't hold it any longer. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> well, maybe you should have called before that, or maybe you're thinking about buying it back. So uh, so look, let's look at uh, Kohl's here for you. Their symbol is KSS. Uh, now, they are obviously a retailer. We'll talk more about this as we go along. Let, let's look at the numbers here. Their uh, P.E. ratio currently is 4.2 versus 298 for the industry. So that's a big positive. Price of sales looks very good, 018 Versus four point one, price to tangible book value. And this is very important for retail, and I'm, I'm I'm happy to see this number so low. 0.7 versus thirty one for the industry. and that means you're paying 70 cents on the dollar for the tangible assets versus thirty one times for the industry average. So this company is on sale when you look at the, uh, the, the the what you're paying for the tangible assets of this company. And even price to cash flow looks extremely good. three point three versus 36 now they they did stop their dividend uh their sales year-over-year year were down 8.9 percent the industry was actually up 14 percent year-over-year their earnings fell by 89 percent uh industry was down 61 so the industry does look better here than, than kohl's does look at the balance sheet uh, we got a current ratio of 1.9 versus 1.1 debt equity 103 Uh, versus 81 and i think kohl's i might be wrong and this is another one i think they did tap their credit line so again a lot of companies doing that understand if they're doing that or not i think they did also we do see return on equity 1.7 versus seven net profit margin checks in at 0.5 that is below the industry at 1.4 uh no receivable turnover uh inventory turnover 3.1 versus 5.9 Chase, what are the analysts saying about this uh, earnings going forward? So current price here for Kohl's
1: is $21.09, 52-week high, $59.28, and that 52-week low, $10.89. I look forward to January 2022. I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, one dollar and seventy-five cents would give us a target sell price of $28.35. So I think the stock's gonna continue to be extremely volatile. I mean it is, oh, are things gonna close back down again? Oh, coals is gonna go down, and oh, things aren't gonna close mm-hmm. back down. Oh, coals is gonna go back up. I mean, it's gonna move all over the place, but but it is still a good value. And the thing I will say about Kohl's is I think they will be much, much stronger than many of their other retail counterparts because they aren't in the mall. I think people right. are going to be scared to go back into the malls and going into Kohl's, you know, you can drive up and, you know, pick up your, your goods. And I know the other retailers are doing that as well, but I still wouldn't want to go to the mall. I'd rather go to Kohl's where it's an off strip type of deal. Yeah. So I, I think Kohl's is much stronger position than again, a lot of its other retail counterparts.
0: And, and actually after the, uh, when they reopened, I went to the uh, Kohl's and Poway. Uh, It was probably about a week after. And the place was packed with people. Parking lot was filled. And and I know it just opened up, but it kind of showed that there are people. And people say, oh, you know, Amazon's gonna take all the business. There's gonna be two things. There's going to be online uh, selling, and also there's still people. And I like, and I know my fiance likes going out shopping and actually touching, feeling things, trying them on. Uh, So there is gonna be a place for a good retailer, we think like a Kohl's, that's gonna weather the storm. Uh, And also, too, I I mentioned uh, Amazon. Well, Kohl's, I believe, is the only one nationwide that has a uh, relationship with Amazon.
1: Yeah, the, the relationship to that magnitude where they will return the uh, Amazon goods, which generates people coming in and kind of speaking about it, it. It's a long shot. I'm not saying this is why you buy Kohl's, but right. you know, we, we talk about Amazon trying to get more into the brick and mortar space because they do acknowledge there's a possibility there. I mean, I, I think Kohl's would be the the best takeover target by Amazon because they already have that relationship. I don't think they would buy a Macy's or the J.C. JCPenney assets yeah. because I don't think they want to go into the mall. I, I think Kohl's, it could be a takeover target and, uh, you know, just another potential thing that, that could
0: help the stock. Yeah, there's maybe a 20% chance of that happening, but it's a possibility because you're right. They already have the relationship with Coles. Coles is, a, a, you know, again, not the mall. They're, they're a standalone retailer. And also, too, you, you mentioned about going in there. That the thing that Coles is so smart about is that when you do the re- returns, they're not right in the front. They're usually at least three-quarters of the way back through the store. So to re- return that item, you have to walk through the store. And then you got to walk back out again. Well, you might just think, well, hey, what is that? Oh, I like that product there. So it was so smart how they did this. And actually, they have a very smart CEO, uh, Michelle Goss. I think her name is. Was she come from Starbucks? Was Starbucks, yep. Starbucks, yeah. So, uh, and she did a lot of things over there. So you've got a good CEO, uh, you know. And I think this is one of the retailers that will survive. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen this year. I think this year will be difficult for them. But I think down the road, anyway, and again, was the target price you had on Chase? Was it 28 twenty-eight, twenty-eight? Yeah. So, so we like it. I mean, it looks pretty good, uh, and I think that we turn with a dividend as well. All right, Paul. Okay, appreciate it. I'll put my order in to buy it at what about sixteen
1: or seventeen?
0: Well, you might, <laughs> it will have a little
1: I, bit I of dip. Consumer, consumer, may not be a little bit. I'm right. kidding. You, but anyway. you might, okay. yeah. You,
0: you might be pushing that too far. <laughs> All right, Paul. Thanks for calling. Bye, bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Uh, let's go out to San Diego and speak with Wayne. Wayne, you're in the smartest Show, Brenton Chase. How can we help you?
1: Good morning, gentlemen. I'd like your opinion on Marvel Technology symbol MRV, please.
0: Okay. Uh, do you hold that or looking to buy it?
1: Looking to buy it.
0: Keeps okay. going up and I haven't bought it yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. Now it's going up. Now you kind of think, oh, maybe I may have missed it here. So let, let, let's see what price we we'll maybe get uh, for you to buy here as well. So, company is Marvel Technology Group Limited, symbol M R V L. Uh, we do see a PE ratio. Good start here, uh, Wayne. It's a 17.9 below the industry at 29.7. Uh, price of sales, it's kind of expensive, 9.3 versus 5.1. Price to tangible book value, unfortunately, also expensive, 97 versus 93. But price of cash flow is pretty reasonable, 12.9 below the industry at 15.4. And again, valuation ratios, you always want them lower than the industry average. They do pay a small dividend. looks like the 10-year treasury, 0.63%. They use 11% there needs to pay that out. Year over year, sales are down 6.6%. Uh, Industry down 1.7. However, earnings per share climbed by 500% year over year. Industry down 36%. But you want to understand those earnings to make sure how did they grow earnings at 500% when their sales were down. Something going on there that you want to understand. On the balance sheet, current ratio 2.1 versus 2.2 for the industry. That is good. Told that to equity. Very good. Uh, 17 versus 74 for the industry. So that's a positive. Return to equity looks well. 19.3 19.3 versus 13.8. Net profit margin, wow, 56 versus 14.4. But, again, I think there's something going on there. Same way with the growth in the earnings over year over year at 500%. So you really understand what they did accounting-wise because it probably won't last. we do see receivable uh-huh. turnover is 5.8 versus 6.7. And then inventory turnover, 5.3 above the industry at 4.8. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for uh, Marvell Technologies
1: is $38.31, 52 week high $38.48, and uh, you know has climbed off that 52 week low of $16.45 quite nicely. Now, if I look out to January 2022, unfortunately, I see estimated earnings pressure on a gap basis of just 39 cents, which would give us a target sell price of $6.32. Now, the thing I will point out here is it, it's quite strange. I mean, the, the gap earnings are all over the place. I mean. 2019, they lost $0.30, then 2020, they made $2.34, and this year, they're estimated to lose $0.13, then make $0.39 cents. in 2022. I mean, it's all over the place. I don't know what they have going on. They, they might be selling some assets. They might have, you know, different currency contracts, things of that nature, but it, that is definitely something that, that has to be ironed out, and again, it is quite expensive to begin with.
0: And whenever I see Marvel, I always think about Disney, the Marvel comics, when I think but that's not it. But I believe, I mean, they're obviously technology. They're they're not obviously having the big ride on the technology side. They're not a chip company, though. Did you get a chance to look up what they do? Or I did not. Uh, it's do, it's do a
1: you know, 5G. Uh, they're into 5G.
0: 5G, so. That's where the emphasis is in the company, so, supposedly. Okay, so there's some part of that. They're not making the chips for it, or some, some part or something to the 5G, I guess is what they're right. doing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, a right. uh, little bit disappointed with that because you would think it'd be. Well, I guess it is overpriced though, because your target sell price was it's overpriced and it's done extremely well. So. Yeah, I don't yeah. know where you're going <laughs> with this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I I just thought it would be so I guess I just higher. It, higher. I guess I yeah. Okay. Pl- I, yeah. yeah. Pull back What's, that, Wayne? What's that, Wayne? <laughs> I said, I guess I have plenty of room to wait for a pullback. Yeah, yeah I, I I think you do. Yeah, I, I think I'll be patient <laughs> okay. with this one. Uh, already. Already, right, I appreciate your time, gentlemen. Okay, Wayne. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye bye. All right. That does open the phone line. 83-28-0973. Again, that's eight, three, three, two, eight, eight, zero, nine, seven, three. And as we've been talking, you got some companies overpriced, some could be good, some could be bad, some could be right priced. You're saying, gosh, how do we figure this out? Well, what you need to do is you need to attend our webinar this Thursday, July 16th. We go over all these things we're talking about, explain them to you in an easy to understand language that you kind of get, oh, well, this is how true investing is done. Uh, we do that for about an hour on, on the webinar. It is free. But what you need to do is you need to go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting 2000 Dot-com and we'll show you all the things you should be doing how to invest using formal analysis and the things you should avoid Because unfortunately, I've been doing this for 40 years. And I say unfortunately because I have seen so many people do the wrong things and lose Many times half their net worth and, and it's just it's, it's terrible to see especially people in their 50s 60s and 70s because they can't make that back up again Yeah, absolutely yeah. so important to attend. Yep, it is so it, again It is uh, free Thursday, July 16th uh, the webinar how to be a smart investor at our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com.
1: So uh, we talked a little bit about retail, and, you know, I saw it in the flash across to the CNBC the other day, and I was so disappointed. What? Uh, tailored brands. You, they missed their interest payment right now. Their market cap is $32.7 million dollars. And their share price about $0.67. Cents. I'm pretty sure they're on the path towards bankruptcy as well.
0: Taylor Brands.
1: That's, that's Men's Big. Warehouse and Joseph uh. A. Banks. And we saw Brooks Brothers. I mean, there's going to be no place left to buy suits.
0: Well, and, and, and you're right. And, and, you know, I was wondering about that. I didn't see that. But it makes so much sense because, you know, you're not going to the office anymore, so you're not getting suits. You can't go out to dinners, really, so you're not dressing up for that. That's what they do is they have fine, you know, clothing and, and suits and so forth. Yeah, I, I, I tell brands, yeah, I, I'm not surprised, but I am disappointed as I remember well. they did have a weak balance
1: sheet going into it as well, yeah. so... Uh, i'm not surprised that they're having issues yeah. um but you know just a little little disappointment i mean i yeah. used to love shopping at men's warehouse and i mean it doesn't mean they'll, they'll go away but they'll have to reorganize and so forth uh and it's quite interesting too i was talking to uh, Alodia who's our vp of operations here and she was saying she went to the dry cleaner mm-hmm. and she said she looked at the dry cleaning rack and it was just empty like no, most like- of the time you know it goes around the room right. and it's full. Shed is about half empty because of the same thing. Yeah, Nobody's going out. They're wearing pajamas and yoga pants. <laughs> so they're, they're not going to get their suits and their, you know, dresses and all the, the other things they need to get dry cleaned. cleaned. Yeah, and we still come in the
0: office. I still dress up, wear a suit. I do TV and stuff, so always wearing a, a suit. But I, 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 I'm hoping that uh, Men's Warehouse will reorganize. But, you know, I think you're right because, and this is another thing, too, with investing. I remember when they bought Joseph S. Uh, Banks, I think it was. Uh, they way overpaid for it. And, and and I think it weakened their balance sheet, and they shouldn't have done that. But they wanted to, I guess, buy the market. And sometimes, you know what happens? I've seen this over my years of doing this. Sometimes the executives get overzealous, and they just want to buy, buy, buy. They're not thinking long term. They're not, not thinking about their shareholders. They're, 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 they're just thinking like, yes, let's buy our competitor. And they, they borrow this money, and then when hard times come, they fail. So. Might be
1: a great time to buy some suits, though. I mean, probably they'll have some nice clearance sales. Yeah, I know, I know
0: it. <laughs> uh, might be, might be doing that. Maybe, maybe we'll go to men's warehouse this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, the thing besides the calls, we also do take uh, you, your emails as well. Uh, when you have questions because you may not want to come on air but you have a question so you can you can send those questions to uh go to our website smart 2000.com uh, we will answer the questions for you uh this came from sam he said I'm, I'm writing first to say you guys are doing a great job i listen to your radio show as much as i can and read your newsletters uh, i just want to ask you if you can recommend a good book for me to read that will teach me the basics of what you teach in your podcast of how to read the charts and numbers of companies. Well, there, there's actually two books that, that uh, we want to talk about here because this is very helpful for not just a Sam, but for many people. Um, is that the first one that I like, and I, I actually got a letter from this gentleman who was, uh, uh, I, I think he started managing money in the 40s, David Dreamin. And uh, he saw me on CNBC and stuff, and he said, gee, you're really doing the right thing and, and, and so forth. But uh, the, the book I like is The Contrarian Investment Strategies and Next Generation. It has so many practical things in it. Um, he has in here like little rules and stuff. Uh, he also goes back and looks at different time frames, talk about investing during hard times. But it's just a practical, understanding way of how to invest into businesses as opposed to all the hype. And he cuts through all that hype. And he was a value investor. I, I believe he's still alive, but I do not believe he is in, uh, running uh, money anymore. I think he managed about $5 billion, and uh, but I think he has since retired. I think he's probably in his 80s now. So, uh, But uh, David Dreamin, uh, Contrarian Investment Strategies, the Next Generation, a very good investment book to read and also to uh, easy to understand. And he's known as a contrarian investment strategy. yeah,
1: And the, the favorite thing that, that I, I, I gather from that book is he's the one that talks about, you know, just because you see a red car drive by every time mm-hmm. you put your hand out the window doesn't mean that's a trend. You, you know, it, it's just kind of a coincidence. And that can happen with investing. And I mean, he just does a great job kind of breaking things down and and putting it into more layman
0: terms. And oh, that, that's quite easy to understand. And then the other book that uh, we recommend is from Warren Buffett, the Warren Buffett Way.
1: Yeah, and I, I think uh, we all know Warren Buffett, so I don't need to give a, a background on <laughs> him. <am. laughs> but but just again, I mean, uh, a lot of the things we do at our firm is derived from the the strategies that that Buffett uses, and uh, you know the whole idea of value investing. And he really talks about you know how how to invest properly. And and this this book too is you know we, we talk about the Intelligent investors. another one. That one's a little bit more textbook like. A mm-hmm. little bit more complicated. I think this one's again a, another one that that's just a good easy read.
0: And he in the, in that book he talks about return on equity. He talks about net profit margin. He talks about debt. I mean, he talks about many things that that we can talk about uh, that are very practical that you can understand. And uh, I think in that book as well. And I, I, there's another one I read of his that was Buffetology. But I want to give two right now for people that don't want to overwhelm them. I mean, because on our shelves we got a number of investment books, but these were two I just want to pull out for people to get started with. Uh, but he talks about different things of why he did it and, and talks about the moat, and he talks about all these different things to, again, make you a smart investor. And I love to, I think it's in that book. I could be wrong. I think it's that book. He says, you can turn the market off for five years. I don't care. I'm not trading the market. I don't look at the market we're buying businesses. And that's a very important thing for people to look at.
1: That really helps with the emotions. I, I know uh, you have a, a thing in your desk called good readings for tough times. right. And sometimes like when we're going through the pandemic and still going through it and so forth, it, it's so important to, again, Read about these investment strategies because it, it does work. I mean, these talk about, you know, lengthy time periods. And again, you're not investing for the next six months and you're not going to have to live in this pandemic for the rest of your life. It right. will end. we we'll will get through it. We'll get through this. And, you know, it, it is just so important to, again, make sure you understand that stri- strategy
0: and stick to it because it does work. And, and, you know, it is funny, Chase, you bring that up because a lot of times people are like, oh, things are terrible and, and they want to sell and get out. Like, this is the first time we've gone through a terrible thing. We've gone through so many terrible things in, 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 in this country. I mean, we, the last one was obviously the Great Recession, the tech boom and bust. Uh, we had the banking crisis in the 90s. Uh, we had the situation in the 80s. We had the nifty 50 in the 70s. We've gone through the Vietnam War, the Korean War, the World War. Uh, Gulf of Tolkien is one that's actually, I think, in uh, David Drummond's book. He talks about that one. Uh, so many things we've gone through, and, and you People know they're supposed to buy low and sell high, but they always do the opposite. When things come up, oh, it's different this time, and they sell. And it's not different. We will get through this somehow. The country is not going to collapse next week. Uh, We will get through this, and things will change. Uh, But again, you cannot let your emotions dictate because you will not buy back at the bottom. And you may have a ride down, but you'll come back, and you'll be much funnier. And we tell people when they invest with us out of a seven-year period, you will you will have a couple losing years. You're going to happen. That's going to happen in true investing.
1: Yeah, yeah and it, it is just so important because when you look at things, you know, if the stock market were to completely crash, let's say, uh, well, our, our life is going to be completely different. And, you know, let's say we went to socialism. I don't think that's going to happen by any means. <laughs> but who cares if you had stocks or cash? They're going to take it anyway. That's right. <laughs> you that's right. Yeah. The, the thing is, you, you always got to kind of take that – I don't want to say pessimistic type of view, but think about worst case scenario. So you think that the stock market is going to go to absolute zero, then your cash is going to be completely worthless. All the companies that you have the bonds of, yeah, they're going to be bankrupt. So yeah. those are going to be worthless too. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So just be patient and actually think logically through the the type of doomsday scenario that's going through your head. And again, we'll get back through this. And and capitalism has proven
0: to be a, a winning. Uh, formula for many 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 years right right well we got about 10 minutes left we got a couple phone lines open Uh, you want to call in have a question on a a company you own a stock you own not sure what to do with it or maybe just a general investment question 833-288-0973 again that's 833-288-0973 let's go out to san diego and speak with ryan ryan you're in the smart vessel brent chase how can we help you
1: Hey, good morning guys. How you doing?
0: Good. How you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Um
1: so I'm extremely new to investing. I currently don't have anything. Um my my question for you guys was if I had $500 as a starting point to invest in anything, uh what would you guys suggest to someone who's new into getting into investing?
0: All right, well, we've got a couple of different things. First, I want to ask you, uh, are you currently employed uh, with an employer that has a 401K? Uh,
1: no, I'm actually self-employed.
0: Self-employed, okay. So that does open yeah. other avenues for you that you can do a SEP, maybe just do an IRA. But just talk about mm-hmm. the investment side, and I don't know if, Chase, you know it, but uh, there's a fund that we use for people because we, we like to, we, need, we need to have at least, I mean, our account minimum is 100000 uh, but to, to, to really invest the way we do, you need about $5,000. So there is a mutual okay. fund that we recommend for people. Do you have what that one is? James? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I was going to say, Ryan, I mean, um, I don't know how new you are to the show, but generally we like to buy individual companies, but, and, and we don't generally like mutual funds, but the mutual fund is great. Is a great avenue for people like yourself that are just starting off because you can start with $500 and then you add, you know, hundred dollars to cool. it over time every you know two weeks right. every month whatever it may be and kind of build over time and then the mutual fund we like is it's a value-based mutual fund where what we call value investors the one that, that I look at is called the Invesco Comstock fund um, so I, I I would take a close look at that and the reason we like that is again it's a, a good value-based approach you know uh, pretty reasonable fees with it and so forth um, and also if you you go through uh, Charles Schwab I, I believe there's no transaction fee for that as well
0: yeah, yeah, so okay. that's caution cost. You cool. and, and, and also, Ryan, very important that you add to it, and you will have mm-hmm. periods where it's dropping down, like, oh, my gosh, you know, my investment, I I put in 2500 now it's worth 20, 2100 I I should stop and sell. No, keep adding to it, because you will get to that 5000 level and actually much higher, but be very okay. disciplined. And and also, too, is there a dollar amount you're looking at adding to it on a monthly basis? Um,
1: Yeah, I mean, what I would try to do is I mean, just for right now, because um, I've got three kids, so I mm-hmm. want to you know, be smart about it, but probably you know, about 250 a month. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah, see, and I was going to say, don't do too much because then the plan will fall. So if you want to do 250 maybe do 200 so you can always do that. Also, to talk to your accountant. Maybe the best thing to do is either a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA to get a tax deduction because then you're getting a benefit on top of the investing side. All
1: Yes. Okay, cool. Thank you guys for your help. Appreciate it.
0: All right, Ryan. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Do you have a comment, Chase? Um, no, okay. I was just
1: gonna okay. say. I mean, uh, you know, mutual funds. It, it is kind of funny because we always oh, mutual funds are terrible. They're, ter- <laughs> <you know? laughs> but the thing is, I mean, it it is a great way to begin investing. It, and because it the reason that is is with five hundred dollars, it's very hard to diversify the portfolio. Right. But you get access to, you know, many, many different companies for, again, very low fees, all considering. So that's why, again, a, a, a great starting po- point is the mutual fund. And that's kind of why they, they started off mm-hmm. was to kind of help those investors. But when you start to get $100,000,
0: 200000 it, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, it can get quite costly. And, and actually, I was going to talk about that because mutual funds, I believe, started back in the late 20s, I think. The MFS, and I forget the name of the fund, was the first one. I believe it started around 1920, 1921, but these came out because think about the numbers back then. I mean, if you had a dollar or two extra to invest, you did that. People didn't have 100,000. They didn't have, you know, even 50,000. So mutual funds were great back then for people to pool their resources to actually get more benefit or to get invested through mutual funds. Now. When you look at the value of a dollar from, we'll even say 1930 to now, it's just exploded. And and, and, and that's why we don't recommend mutual funds for people to have more money. Maybe we should explain why we, we don't recommend the mutual funds um, because th- and there are reasons for it. But mutual funds started so people could pool their money because they couldn't even buy one share of stock. And that's why I say people uh, that, that, again, have 500 or or 1000 to invest, you start with that mutual fund you build that by adding to it, then you can start building your own portfolio of good quality businesses.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it is uh, again. Just make sure you have the right mutual fund too, because right. you don't want to get into something that's that's crazy and has like options and you know it's got all these different hedges and derivatives and all these crazy things in there. That that's that's one that can be quite crazy. Just we always say look for that good value based mutual fund if you are just beginning
0: and looking at kind of a, a similar situation as Ryan there. Right, and, and also too you got to look at the fees, and and we would never recommend you you do a load fund. I mean, they're still out there. I. I can't believe, it, but they are still out there. We could pay a four, five, six percent load, which means you're paying a sales commission up front. So you'd have to make a six percent or even a four percent just to break even that first year. And that's not even true because on top of that, there's a management fee. Look at the management fee of it, uh, because some management fees can be one, one and a half, maybe even two percent, which is extremely high as well. And then there's other things such as net redemptions that we talk about that people don't understand and that's probably one of the big reasons why we don't recommend mutual funds
1: yeah well net redemption kind of important we talk about that i guess since you brought it up it's kind of important a yeah. lot of important. <laughs> <laughs> so the way a mutual fund works is as we kind of said people pull all their resources together here and that fund manager is just managing that that pot of money essentially now what happens is, you know, as we know when things go down, even though you might be patient and say, I'm a long-term investor, what could happen is, you know, other investors pull out and they want their money back. They want to redeem those shares. Now the fund manager is forced to sell off positions at an inopportune time to meet those redemptions. So now even though you stayed the course, you stay invested, your ownership and the businesses that they had to sell is now diluted, of course, since they're no longer in that mutual fund.
0: Yeah, and, and that's so important to kind of look at what you're really doing when it comes to mutual funds and why we want r- recommend that. Well, we had a, an, another email here. And, again, if you want to email us your questions, you can do that as well. We won't answer them here on air because they go to our website. We'll, we'll print them off and put them in our folder for the next week. Uh, we got a question here from uh, Mark. Uh, if you have time, maybe discuss the 5G opportunity with Eric and Nokia. All right, I think it's Ericsson and Nokia. Uh, how much will the uh, Huawei uh, ban help either or both uh, link to AG Barr's take on the West placing a financial position in either or both companies? Well, uh, let's do one. I, I was going to do, uh, well, I guess I pulled up er- Ericsson is what I pulled up on, and it is a foreign company. It's in Sweden. Uh, so what I'm going to look at is just their numbers. I, what is the ticker symbol on that? Oh, I'm sorry. It's a E-R-I-C. Uh, so uh, not a great start. The P.E. ratio is 139. Uh, we do see price to sales 1.27. That is OK. Price to book value 7.3. That eh, seems all right. Price to cash flow looks kind of expensive 31 times. Now, they do pay a dividend of a 1.73%, but I see their payout ratio is 242. What does that mean? That they're paying 240% of the current earnings to pay that 1% dividend. Not a good thing. Year-over-year, uh, year, sales are actually uh, up 5.4%. Earnings climb by 160%. We do see the balance sheet looks pretty good. Current ratio, 1.2. Debt to equity is 64, so that's a positive. Looking at uh, return on equity, not very good, 2.5%. We like to see at least 10 to 15% uh, return on their equity. Net profit margin could be a problem here, 0.75. And we see receivable turnover is 4. Inventory turnover, 4.3. Now, Chase, do you have any earnings in this company going forward?
1: Yeah, well, it actually looks uh, quite nice. Or not okay. quite nice, about about fairly valued, I guess, is what cool. I would say. Because current price, $9.41, 52-week high, $10.52-week low, $6.15. So it has gone up quite nicely off that 52-week low. But I go to December 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis. $0.59 cents would give us a target sell price at $9.56. So if you hold it, we would still hold it until it hit that target sell price. Yeah, and,
0: and 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 again, uh, we don't really like buying the foreign companies, though. Uh, I mean, it is in Sweden, we don't hear too much about Sweden. They, uh, d- do you know if they have an ADR here or not? They do. They do, they do. yeah. Yep. But but even then, I, I still don't really... I get like a little cautious, cautious yeah. with yeah. it. Yeah, a little cautious with it. He also asked about Nokia, which we don't have time to get into, but I have seen Nokia dropped a lot, I believe, right?
1: Has it? I, I haven't looked at it. I uh, but but i was gonna say i mean the the big thing too is i'd be cautious here i mean just trying to kind of play off the trend of 5g there's so many companies involved in 5g and you know i i'm not saying this is the the truth right but what if you know 5g is is harmful to our health you you know (laughs) you you could you could lose big time or you're kind of banking on the huawei effect well Let's say things do get resolved with China and we do use Huawei. Again, I don't see that happening, but I just always get very, very cautious and I, it would have to be a great mm-hmm. value for me to, to get into the company. I will never buy a company just because there's a, a trend that's going on at that time. Right. And trend investing is working right now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. we we know it, it has its ebbs and flows and when it
0: flows the other way, it, it flows quite hard. And, and we actually bought a business, and I think we we're up like 30% on it uh, probably, what, six months ago. Uh, they do have something to do with 5G, but we paid, I think, what, 12, 13 times earnings for it. So we got a, a, a company that can participate in that, uh, should do well. It's up about 30%. But the other thing, too, is that they have other businesses besides that. So it's not just a single bet on that. It's more of a business that does a lot of different things uh, in addition to that. But, you know, that's what we got to look for It's a good business at a good price. Don't get sucked into, oh, well, they have this and they have that that may work maybe it work for for a while in a while it could be one two three years but eventually it falls apart and you don't understand everything Comes back to that mean and over the history of the market average p e ratio is about 14 to 17. we got a lot of companies trading at 25 30 i say we not me well, not us, but the market. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the market. There's, there's some dangers out there, and you, you got to be cautious. Yep, yep. Reminds you that song from Top Gun, uh, in the danger zone. <laughs> <laughs> but probably before you, did you ever see Top Gun? Uh, I, I get uh, flack for it all the time. I haven't seen it still. <laughs> <laughs> right. What are you doing this weekend? Oh, you're uh, going up to a wedding, I think. You're flying again. Yeah, going to Colorado. Wow. Wow. So. Well, on the movie, uh, uh, watch on the the uh, plane. The plane. <laughs> watch Top Gun. <laughs> 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 All right, uh, there's uh, Frank Sinatra, actually an expert, Sinatra, but uh, Roman Palacis. Uh Thank you for, for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for information purpose only and should not be used on investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs, please call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858 858- 5464306 or visit our website smartinvesting2000.com that's smartinvesting2000.com and when you're there sign up for the webinar uh, this Thursday July 16th this show is sponsored in part by Thomson Reuters closing show performed or closing song performed by Roman Palacios. have a great weekend we'll talk more next week
1: and may i say not in
0: a shop this program is sponsored and produced by Wilsey Asset Management. Opinions and offers.